0: This morning we're going to be in Proverbs chapter thirty-one. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to Proverbs chapter thirty-one. We're going to be in verses ten through thirty-one. I know the screen says eleven. That's a typo from your pastor. Unlike the moms who are here and present, I am imperfect, and so I make mistakes from time to time. Uh, Proverbs chapter 31, verses 10 through 31. If your son or daughter needs something just to keep them occupied, there should be some busy bags located in this walkway area right here. You can go and grab those. Um, We're going to be looking at a very familiar passage in Proverbs 31. I I shared with my father-in-law this week, he's a retired minister, a a pastor here a number of years, that I was preaching Proverbs 31 on Mother's Day, and and he kind of teased me, it was a little cliche, you know, isn't everybody preaching Proverbs 31? But I look back in my notes, and uh, I don't think that I have ever, on any Mother's Day, that I've ever preached a sermon, ever preached Proverbs 31 on Mother's Day. And so you get it this, this year. You get to read and study Proverbs 31 because, well, I feel like preaching it. <laughs> the, the Lord really has revealed in Proverbs 31 the ideal woman. Now, a lot of times when you start to read Proverbs 31, some wives and some mothers get really, really nervous. Because as you read through this passage, this ideal woman in Proverbs 31, it's rather intimidating. So there's a couple of things before we even read into the scripture that I think are important to to know to kind of keep us at ease a little bit. For starters, this is a poem. It's a Hebrew poem, and if you're unfamiliar, it is actually written with an acrostic formation. So every single verse begins with a progressive letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So verse ten begins with alf, and then uh, or our letter A, and then verse two would begin with the letter B and C, and it's actually 22 Hebrew letters all the way through. So it's poetic in nature. It really, it's a reminder that it's not just the content of these verses, but a godly wife, a godly mother is is all of these things from A to Z. From beginning to end, a godly mother is this and more. There is nothing that we couldn't say positively about a godly woman and a godly mother. The second thing that's important to understand is that this passage is not a biography. I think a lot of times we read this and we think the author has some particular woman in mind, maybe his own mother or his wife, or maybe a woman that he's courting and he does not. As a matter of fact, there is no woman that has ever lived that fulfills Proverbs 31 perfectly. It is the ideal woman, not the woman that we're all trying to, to model ourselves after. This should take a little bit off of you a little bit because there's not a standard by which someone somewhere has lived that you are trying to live. There is a standard by which God has set and blessed husbands and sons and daughters to be able to experience. And so this is not a biography. Before we delve into it, I do want to talk a little bit about a biography, maybe get biographical for a moment and talk a little bit about my my own mothers in my life who I've been very blessed by. Now, I'm very fortunate to have been raised by a mother who, who was an extremely hard and diligent worker. A lot of the qualities in Proverbs 31, now, I, I would say my mother matches perfectly. Does she match all of it perfectly? No one does. But I don't know a woman who worked harder as a single mom for the first 10 years of my life to raise a son and a daughter, and the daughter especially was a knucklehead and troublemaker, but also me as a son to raise us in a way that that instilled work ethic and instilled instilled manners and honor and and really a way that you would want a mother to raise their children. My mother did marry when I was about 10, and then we began to to go to church. Uh, She was uh, rededicated her life to Christ Uh, when I was still young. I, I was able to accept Christ, and then she started instilling me the importance of growing in my faith. And it's because of a mother and, by extension, a a family who prioritized faith that God has led me and called me to be a pastor even today. I had a grandmother who, not just a mother who raised me, but a grandmother who invested heavily in my life. And many of you have a grandmother as well who, who you would not be here today if it wasn't for her love and affection. And so I I spent an entire year living with my grandmother. A natural disaster caused our house to to have to be rebuilt. I moved up to Kentucky, and for a year, my grandmother instilled in me the importance of faith. Uh, Again, reiterated the importance of hard work and diligence. Uh, my, my grandmother instilled in me the art of playing cards and rummy, to which I still enjoy beating people at today. She taught me that it's not okay to lose and that you play to win, and I lost every hand I ever played to my grandmother. She taught me competitiveness. I don't know if you knew this or not. I'm a little competitive. You can blame my grandmother for that. She taught me how to, how to treat other people with respect and love and care. She invested in me for an entire year where I lived in her house, and she became my mother for that year. As God called me out of my mother's home, my grandmother's home, and went off to college, God put me in another home with a godly woman. My, my wife, who has become a mother as we've grown together, and is a wonderful example to our three children. Invest in them with their, not only their education, because we homeschool, but most importantly, I love to come home for lunch and hear her reading Bible stories to our children. Remember, especially when they were younger, our girls were younger, I'd walk in and they'd be in their schoolroom, and I'd hear them reading through Scripture. And it's, it's amazing to see a godly woman invest in, in the spiritual education of my daughters and my son. And maybe you've got a similar testimony, a similar story of a, a mother and a wife, an aunt or a grandmother who's invested in you. And, and as you think of those biographies, we, we realize that reading through Proverbs 31 No woman will match them perfectly, but I hope as we read, you'll be reminded, that verse reminds me of my mother. That verse reminds me of my grandmother. That verse reminds me of the woman who invested in me. We're going to read Proverbs 31, verses 10 through 31 together, 22 verses. And we're going to see the ideal woman. Not that there's perfection that exists, but but I think, if we're honest, we can see glimpses of this. In our mothers as we read through it. Let's read Proverbs 31, starting in verse 10, and reading through the end of the book, verse 31. Proverbs 31, verse 10 begins, An excellent wife, who can find? She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She's like the ship of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hand to the distaff, and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She's not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. This morning, as we look at this passage on the ideal woman, one thing that struck me immediately every time I read through is how culturally appropriate this was for the time and how strange it seems to us now. There's a lot of clothing with scarlet and with purple. There's a lot of uh, working with hands in a way that, that many women today are not working with hands because it's culturally not the same. There's this idea of her making clothes, and the time of making clothes in your house is not over completely, but to be honest with you, I don't know that my wife has ever made an article of clothing for me. I, I don't think you have. Um, it's just not culturally how we approach things. And so instead of looking specifically at, at these are the, the specific verses, can we look at the, the qualities of this woman? The qualities of this ideal woman that, that God has revealed and shown For all of us. And can we remind ourselves that that many of the mothers and wives in here will look at this passage and feel convicted that they don't live up? Men, and I hope wives as well, will look at this and be reminded of how blessed we are to have a woman who meets these standards. I've got six characteristics, and so we're going to go through them fairly quickly. There's really about 15 to 20 that you could pull out. I've combined many of them because I want to highlight really what this author is telling us about a woman who we are to rise up and call blessed. And right out of the gate, a godly woman is someone who is trustworthy. She is trustworthy. We have full confidence in the wives and the mothers in our lives. All the way back in verse 11, we read, the heart of her husband trusts her and he will have no lack of Of gain, The very first quality that we read about is the trustworthiness of a wife. The trustworthiness of the women in our lives. And specifically, it says her husband trusts in her. And this doesn't mean only her husband does, but I think it's important to show the the unified family connection that is all throughout this passage. The husband and wife are in this together. We're going to see over and over and over and over again. The reason why the household functions is because of the work of the wife and the mother behind the scenes. Can we be honest, men? Without our spouses, we would fall apart in many ways. Without the mothers in our life who have taught and instilled in us the truths, we would be shells of the men we are today. Many of us, are able to be who we are because we have a trustworthy wife and a trustworthy mother who has invested in us. The heart of her husband trusts in her and, and then he will have no lack of gain. In other words, he will have all that he needs. In this context, why does the husband have all that he needs? It's not because he's a gatherer. It's not because he's gone out. It's because he has a wife who he trusts. When we go on trips and vacations, I am perfectly capable of packing my own bag. I want you to know that. I can do that. I can put a bag together and have everything I need in that bag. I've done it many times before, but when we go on vacation, my wife typically is the one who lays everything out and packs our bag. But we just came back from uh, Louisville this week. Uh, we, we were there for a couple of days celebrating Hannah's graduation for, from Boyce College, and and when we get there, I've got to be honest with you, I had no idea what I was going to be wearing. I didn't see it before it went in the bag. It just went in there, and I showed up and waited for it to tell me, this is what you're wearing today. <laughs> Here's the reason why that's funny and important, because while I am perfectly capable of packing a bag, every time I've ever packed a bag, I think every single time, I've come to realize I've forgotten one or two key important things. It's a toothbrush or toothpaste. A pair of underwear that I knew I needed. It's a pair of shoes. It, it's, it's something that I've got to run to the store and pick up and get. I am capable of packing a bag, but I'm not capable of doing it well. <laughs> I have a wife who I can trust, who, who I, can, I, I can have full confidence that she's going to take care of my every need so that when I get up in Louisville and get ready to go to a graduation ceremony, I don't have to question that I remember to bring a shirt that matches a pair of pants, and do I have my belt and my shoes, I'm able to be who I am because of my wife and who she is. Occasionally, not often, people come up to me and say, boy, you look nice today, preacher. They're usually not talking about my hair. <laughs> They're usually not talking about my face. They're usually talking about a particular shirt I'm wearing. And my response is always the same. Well, thank you. My wife picked that out today. The one time I, I pick out my own clothes usually is when my wife says, turn around, go back in, and try again. <laughs> But the reason why I function as a man is because I have a wife who I have full trust in and full confidence in. This is true for silly things like getting dressed or going on trips, but it's certainly true for for conducting business, for conducting our, our daily lives. We have amazing women who have raised us and some of them are now married to us. Some of them have unfortunately had to do both, raised and married us. And we have women who we can trust To meet and take care of our every need. The first characteristic of a godly woman is that she is a trustworthy individual. The second characteristic is that she's hardworking or diligent. A a godly woman is diligent and hardworking in what she does. This is where you get into some of these tricky verses where it talks about her working with, with different textiles that we're unfamiliar with. For instance, in verse 13, she seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. I've got to be honest, I could read commentaries and I'm sure they told me, but I'm a man and I've forgotten what you would use wool and flax for. But what I do understand from this verse is that whatever she does, she does with willing hands. I I do not know that there's ever been a time that our family has needed something that my mother or wife has not been willing to step up and fill the gap. I can't think of, honestly, a single time that we've gone without because of a godly mother, grandmother, or now in my life, a godly wife. Willing to do more than what she needs to do. Our wives aren't just individuals who are willing to help a little. Don't you notice they always seem to go above and beyond more than what we expect, more than what we would imagine. They work with willing hands, and, and they have wisdom when they do it. Not only are they good with home textile stuff, so I think a lot of times we read the Bible and think it's only talking about a woman and her place in the house. And I tell you, the Bible is, is about as progressive on women's rights as any book in the Bible, or in any book in the world. You don't believe me? Here in this verse, here in this passage, we see a woman in the workplace. Listen to this in verse 16. She considers a field and she buys it. With the fruit of her hand, she plants a vineyard. I think sometimes the Bible gets a bad rap at being a book that tries to, to put women in a box. Have you read the Bible? Over and over again, it celebrates women who work outside of the box. We're in the midst of studying the book of 1 Timothy. We'll get back to that next week, and we're going to have some hard passages to look at going forward. Do you know why Timothy was the man that he was? Paul tells us why Timothy was the man that he was. It's because of his mother and grandmother who invested in him. Paul doesn't take credit for it. He doesn't give credit to the deacons and the men in the church. It's the women who poured into him. You have passages like Proverbs 31, 16 where a woman is exiting the home, purchasing real estate, planning a vineyard, and later we're going to find she sells goods. But Before we sit back and think oh, a woman's place is this or a woman's place in that, did you know God says a woman's place is in the family and to support in whatever necessary way? There are great women who are homemakers, who are home educators, who stay at home and, and raise their children and spend Days and days and and weeks and weeks and months and months with them. And there are godly women like my own mother who worked 50 hours a week, traveled on a lot of weekends, and invested in her family with the way she provided. She considers a field and she buys it with the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard, she does whatever it takes to work hard for what's best for her family. One of the beautiful things about the family of God is it's so diverse. There are mothers who are gifted in so many different ways, and I am so thankful that every godly mother I know is diligent and hardworking. We look down in verse 27. She looks well to the ways of her household, and she does not eat the bread of idleness. I had to chuckle a little bit. Part of our children's Sunday school lesson this morning was about moms and how sometimes they make us do chores we don't want to do. And in the lesson itself, and I said, be careful here when you read this, but in the lesson itself, it said, mom makes you do A, B, C, and D. Sometimes it feels like mom just doesn't want to do those things. She makes you do them because she's lazy. And I only had one student say, my mom's lazy, and I don't think they meant that. And so we're going to not tell you who that kid was, and uh, hopefully they'll confess it later. <laughs> well, you know how proud I was, though, that, that kid after kid said, my mom's not. My mom is a hard worker. My mom goes to work and comes back and takes care of us kids. My mom puts up with us. My mom does A, B, C, and D. And I tell you, the godly women I know do not eat of the bread of idleness. They're not lazy people. There's nobody who works harder than a mother. We see a a godly woman is trustworthy. She's diligent. And along with that hard work and that diligence, we find that she is a provider. She's a provider for her husband. Her children, her family. This is a great verse of application that I, I wonder how many women really do apply. We'll talk about it here briefly in verse 15. She rises while it is yet night or dark and provides food for her household and portions for her maiden. How many of you all, wives, get up while it's still dark outside to provide for your family? A handful. How many of you all enjoy waiting till that sun comes up before you get up and provide for your family? Yeah. I, more of those. Can can I tell you, this verse does not mean a godly woman has to get up before it's light outside. <laughs> That's the best amen I've ever gotten. Right? Thank you. Praise it. Speak it again, Pastor. Do you know what this verse shows us? That a godly wife does whatever it takes to make sure her household is provided for. Sometimes that means getting up really early before everybody else does. Sometimes that means... That means sacrificing her own wants and desires. Sometimes that means giving up her own schedule for her household. I can remember my, my mother. She did not rise up early. As a matter of fact, her, her uh, M.O. was, I'm going to teach you, and this is how I'm mothering, teach you how to make your own lunch for school. And so we learned how to make our own lunches while my mother caught some sleep. And I used to think, Mom, why don't you get up and make lunch? Why do I have to make my own lunch? What I didn't realize was she had spent all day the previous day and often nights providing for us with the job that she worked and she needed that extra hour of sleep. Moms do whatever it takes to provide for their family. Whether it's getting up early, whether it's sacrificing time, she is one who is a provider. We see that she has no no fear of what's coming next. In verse 21, she's not afraid of snow for her household. And all her household are clothed in scarlet. This doesn't mean she likes cold weather. What it means is, no matter what weather comes, her family is ready. She's got the adequate provisions for them. So the weather changes radically and it's cold. She has coats. So the weather gets hot and it's sweaty. She has the appropriate material and fabric for them. It does describe the type of clothing she gives her family, and it it doesn't tell us how thick or thin it is. It says instead that her household is clothed in scarlet. Scarlet or purple, these bright colors, these rich colors, were were symbols of royalty, symbols of, of giving of oneself and giving respect to someone else. A mother provides and doesn't expect anything in return. She heaps it all on her children and her husband, and those around her she not only provides for her family but but maybe most convicting and most eye-opening for a son is in verse 20 when it says she opens her hand to the poor and reaches her hands to the needy her attitude is such that she just cares for people in a way that others don't she sees those in need and her heart breaks she wants to give and provide Husbands, don't squelch this in your wives. When your wife wants to be generous, don't scold her for giving away your hard earned money. Understand that her nature is to provide and to give and to share. On Father's Day, we'll have a sermon about your responsibility to be financially responsible, husbands, and so I'm not saying to go broke, but at the same time, realize that God has gifted godly women in a way that cares for the needs of others. She's trustworthy. She's diligent. She's a provider. And as she grows in these qualities, we find that she has a good reputation. She is reputable. She is spoken well of by others. Of all the characteristics, this one is one that, that no woman, no wife, no mother can earn on her own. Instead, it, Sometimes they live the lives that they live in a godly way, and people don't find that respectable. In an increasingly divisive culture, more and more a godly woman does not have a good reputation in community. She has a poor reputation because of her faith and her trustworthiness and her diligence and her godliness. But a godly woman will have a good reputation before God and before those who trust in God. We... Read again in verse 23. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. It's odd to me that there's a verse about husbands in this passage. Why are we now talking about the husband sitting at the gate and being spoken well of at the gate? The implication is that the husband only has his good reputation because of the woman that is behind him and her reputation. The only reason why this passage is in here is to to remember that the wife has such a good quality and a good confidence in the community that even her husband, by default, as scummy as he is, as losery as you are, husbands, your reputation is good because of your spouse's reputation. People speak well of your family because they speak well of your mother and your wife. We look a little further down in verse 31. It says to give her the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. It's a reminder that it's not just the husband that's spoken well of in the gates and in the city. But husbands, we have a command to speak well of our spouses. Children, you have a command to speak well of your mother. She's deserving of the praise, and you ought to not just tell her on Mother's Day how much you love her. You ought to tell her every day and tell your friends and tell your co workers and tell your classmates what an amazing woman you have to lead and to guide you. You're to build up her reputation. She's trustworthy, diligent, she's a provider, she has a good reputation, she's reputable, and we find that she also is wise got to be honest, I didn't believe this one when I was a child. My mother was not the wisest person. I was wi- the wisest person in the house, and I made sure she knew that every opportunity I had. Mom, I know you think I should be cleaning my room, but the problem is that I can't find anything. If you just leave it on the floor, I'll know exactly where my pants are. Right? Just leave it there, and I can find them. I did not always have this idea of my mother being wise. I can remember having a knockdown, dragout drag-out fight with my mother as a teenager. I was 14 or 15 and had a friend who was about 16, and maybe he was 17. He had his license anyways, and and he wanted to pick me up, and we were going to go to a movie and go hang out and do some things, just, you know, hang out with a friend. My mother refused to let me go. This is a boy that I met at church. He came to our church regularly. He was a good friend of mine. And she said, There is no way I'm letting you get in the car with that young man. You're not going. And I yelled and I screamed, Mom, he's a Christian, and he goes to church and he's A, B, C, and D, and I could not fathom for the life of me why she would not let me go with this church boy who was sixteen or seventeen and go hang out in Miami, Florida, in the middle of the city to the movie. <laughs> Wasn't till I started to learn more about this young man to know that, yes, he came to church, but he was not a believer. Yes, he, he enjoyed some friendships at church, but uh, he had been arrested several times for a drug addiction, and uh, he did not run around the best circle of friends, and I knew if we met, she knew if we met up with some buddies, it wouldn't be buddies that I needed to be hanging around. There were several times at, at church, at youth group, that, that someone would find something in his car and have to report on things that he had that he shouldn't have had. I had no clue. My mom was the dumbest person in the world. Why won't you let me go? Sons, daughters, can you know that your mom knows more than you know? She was wise enough not to badmouth that young man to me. She wanted him to grow in his faith. She was wise enough also to make sure I didn't get in a car somewhere I wasn't supposed to go. We don't understand mom's rules. We don't understand why she says what she says or why she says it. Sometimes she explains and sometimes she can't. But our, our mothers have more wisdom than our teenage and elementary age selves want to give them credit for. Just this morning when Odie and I were teaching Sunday school, I, it, it blessed me to hear him give testimony that I would give as well. He said, this week I had something, I just, I just needed to go and talk to mom. Mom's wise and I may be a grown man. Sometimes I just need to go and talk to mama. A godly woman has wisdom and it says so in verse 16. She considers a field and she buys it with the fruit of her hand she plants a vineyard. This doesn't mean that your wife or your mother is really good at shopping. (laughs) No, what this says is she knows what to buy and what not to buy. She considers that field, and she evaluates whether it's proper for her family to have or not. In verse 26, it says she opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. Whether we want to acknowledge it as children or not, our mothers make decisions that they have prayed and contemplated and thought through and in their wisdom know it's best for us. A godly woman is trustworthy and diligent. She's a provider. She has a good reputation. She's wise. And finally, she's valued. She should be valued. Verse 28. Actually, sitting on our church sign right now. It's a verse that we shouldn't remember just in Mother's Day, but we should memorize for every day. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. At this point in the passage, when we come to 28, the focus shifts away from all the things the mother does to the men, sons and daughters, the people around. Do you rise up and call your mother your spouse, bless. You praise her. You remind her of how thankful you are for her. We understand that, that she has characteristics that none of us can ever carry. As a matter of fact, down in verse 30, we read about some of those characteristics. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Do you praise a woman? your wife, your mother, for her godly living. We'll close with verse 31. A command for all of us. Give her the fruit of her hands. Tell her what she's worth and let her works praise her in the gates. There are so many more characteristics that we could talk about with a godly woman. But can we focus for just a moment on this last one? Do we value the wives' the mothers in our lives. My hope and prayer is that as we study this passage, we'll be reminded of the women in our lives who have invested so much in us, and that we we would invest back in them, not just on Mother's Day, but every day.